The wheel of time turns, and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. In one age, Zap, called the third age by some, an age yet to come, an age long past. A wind rose in the insert location here. The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning to this podcast. Welcome to Catch the Theater. <laughs> wow. You have that memorized like I have the Samurai Jack intro memorized. I also have that memorized. One day we'll do a Samurai Jack episode. <laughs> For those of you wondering, this is not the Wheel of Fortune TV show. Okay, we're not about to do a podcast about people... Uh, spinning a wheel to earn some money. <laughs> <laughs> this is The Wheel of Time on Amazon Prime. It rhymes. Ah, the newest-ish thing taking the world by storm, maybe, if you're in some circles. In some other circles, maybe you've never heard of this thing before. Either way, if you're listening to this episode, you've probably seen the show. If you haven't seen the show... Like, you're free to be here, I guess, but we're going to spoil everything, so you probably want to leave. Maybe they want, uh, they read the book, and they're wondering if they should watch it. You should probably, probably just watch the show. <laughs> if you've read the books and you enjoyed the books, probably just watch the show. I will say, I have read the books multiple times, all 15 of them, so it will sometimes be difficult for me to not accidentally spoil things. I will try my best, and editing magic will make everything work. But you, if you've only seen the show, there is a non-zero chance that you might be spoiled for something in the books listening to this. Since I have not read the books, I'll do my best to be like, hey, I don't recognize that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dive into this. I'll do my spiel, my second spiel, because I already did a spiel. I love fantasy. I know you like fantasy, too. The thing I love reading the most, The Wheel of Time, is probably my favorite uh, story ever. Which is not to say that the story is perfect or that I haven't read stories that are in different ways technically better in different aspects. It's just, it's one of the earliest big fantasy stories I read and it really struck me and I love the character arc of Rand. I can finally say that now. It was so tiring <laughs> when they were doing the whole, who's the dragon reborn? And I was like, oh, I can't talk about anything. But his character arc on all the books is my favorite character arc in fantasy ever. I love other characters and for other reasons, but like his character, I, I love it most. So that's why it has a special place in my heart. What is your uh, relationship to this story? <laughs> it was definitely a journey. Mm-hmm. Rand, I did not like at the beginning. Did not like his haircut. I did not like the way he carried himself. We've had many conversations about haircuts <laughs> and people's walking. <laughs> it just... Did not feel like a peasant to me or like a person who comes from this small village. Mm-hmm. More felt like uh, a guy who came from the 21st century. But as the movie progressed, so did my liking towards him. You actually like him by I, the end? I like him by the end. Interestingly, I won't say it here now, but a plot twist in the end of season one, towards the end of season one, actually explains certain things about things I didn't like him about. Yeah. In the beginning. So, a very common thing in the books, it's one of the most talked about things, is Robert Jordan, the author, uses unreliable narrators to probably Mm. the most masterful extent I've ever seen. You're in the character's head. It's a third-person limited. You're in the character's head when you're reading. And all you see is the world through their head. And the way it reads, and it takes a long time, well, for some people longer than others, but it takes a while to 
for this to really register in your mind. When characters see things and comment about the world and say things as fact, that doesn't mean it's true. Mm. And the characters are very flawed in all a myriad of different ways. So I have enjoyed seeing that aspect brought into the show. Now, the show is definitely an adaptation. They're adapting the series, not just book one. If there are things that are going to be important later on, they're trying to pull them in earlier, uh, start to set the seeds for it. If they're, you know, I'm sure there's spotlights are going to be dropping, some things are going to be tweaking, yada, yada, yada. Careful where you're treading. They're going to be tweaking stuff. It's an adaptation. (laughs) But this first season definitely doesn't go in many ways, plot-wise, doesn't go past the first book. In some ways it does, but in most ways it doesn't. And oh boy, is it an adaptation. And oh boy, are some people so mad about how different this is than the books. I'll just say, I like the show. I was mostly positive on it. There are things I didn't like. There are things I like. There are things I'm like, I'm still interested enough to watch the second season. So, And I've heard lots of people say, oh, I'm interested in reading the books out, which means the adaptation has done its job. Wait, so... People who've read the books generally don't like the TV show, or a few I, select. I have no idea because I haven't. I'm trying to poke my head in different circles. There's definitely people on all ends of the spectrum. There's definitely people who are obnoxiously positive about the show and unwilling to listen to criticisms. There's definitely people who are obnoxiously negative about the show and unwilling to listen to like why the show is the way it is. And probably most people are in the middle ground of like most ratings. I hear people give the show like a a six to like an eight out of 10. So that seems to be where most people are rating it, uh, as far as I've seen anyway. Okay. There's definitely people out there who are way more into it than I am, but for the lay person, I, am, I know way too much details about everything that went into production, and that has actually completely changed the way I view adaptations. Like, I don't know if I'll ever look at another adaptation the same way again, because I know so many of the reasons why they made the decisions they made, and it's very fascinating. And I think that some of the criticism I've seen about the show has less to do with the show and more to do with the books. You're like, you're saying, if you hadn't read the books, you'd probably be fine with this. But because you've read the books, you're upset about this and you don't understand what it takes to adapt something from a book to a TV. It's okay. more than just, oh, obviously, if it's in the character's head, you need to somehow show it. But like the way things ripple around, and it's a whole thing. And I am honestly impressed that we even have a show. <laughs> Well, then, my follow-up would be, since in general, you're such a, a nanny nagger. A nanny nagger. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You nag a lot about movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's hear a positive take you took away from the way they do adaptation. The positive I took away is that it's harder than it looks. I mean, I never thought it was easy. Writing is not an easy thing, and TV production is a whole, whole to-do. But I had never been so aware of how difficult it is mm. because they've talked about things like so COVID really impacted them I mean that's not a normal writing thing but it did happen they were in production all the way to episode 6 so I'm not sure if you know this but Barney Harris the actor who plays Matt and this might ruin part of the show for you the reason he's not there in the past two episodes is that he wasn't there when actual filming so when COVID happened they had to close down shooting and they restarted a couple of months. They, I think they had to start and stop multiple times. But essentially, when they were really ready to be back, Barney Harris wasn't there. He wasn't there. No one really knows. I, I, I think he's definitely alive, but no one really knows like why he didn't come back. Like Maybe someone in his family died. Who knows? Who knows what happened? I don't really care to speculate. Point is, he didn't come back. And they had to. Imagine this, Sam. After having footage all the way up to episode six or and some, 
because they shot in blocks, like they didn't necessarily shoot like anything episode eight before episode one. They had to figure out how to write him out of the last two episodes. I cannot imagine how much of a nightmare that would have been. You know, like you have like six more months for the show to come out. You have to, I mean, more than that, more like a year, year and a half. And you have to completely change the last two episodes that you've planned for years before, knowing that the first six are locked in because there's nothing you can do about that. Like you can do editing magic to like maybe take some stuff away, but I can't even begin to comprehend how it was not a complete cluster. <laughs> Wait, so... In the original story, does he go with them? Uh, I would say that this adaptation is far enough removed from the books that that doesn't actually matter. <laughs> when I was watching it, I honestly would just thought he didn't go. I was like, but then I realized, oh, crap, yes, Spartan Harris isn't here for the next two episodes. They literally had to write that in. If you go back and watch it again, you can tell he's obviously not there. They're basically just piecing scenes of him being there before and just like slapping it into a place that everyone's like, ma, 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 ma. He's not there. They're just trying their best to make it work. <laughs> okay, so it's this is far removed the plot that it's not part of the original story. In, in the original story, Wait, when they go to the ways, yes, he's there with them. I don't know how they plan to uh, fix that when they get a new actor. Uh, Donald Flynn is the guy who's going to be playing him moving forward. There's different, there's different ways people have talked about, you know, there's parts of book two and three that they can move together and pull it around to get him back involved in the plot. It's doable. Dang. Okay. Credit to them. I actually thought it was an interesting choice anyways. I mean, I think it worked out fine. So kudos to them. (laughs) I thought if, I thought if anyone wouldn't go, it would be Nenanarvar. Nenanarvar. I'm not, I'm not even going to try and correct you. Continue. Okay. (laughs) Miss... The wisdom. That's, there we that's go. That's the one. <laughs> I thought she, if anyone weren't weren't to go, it would be her, and so I was a little taken aback. But I was like, I can roll with this. Yeah. Another random production fact. I will stop talking about production facts soon. They had a location for the bike, like a physical location somewhere in I think Monaco, where they wanted to go and shoot, and then COVID happened, so they couldn't go there to shoot. So they had to, in like three months, construct what you saw. So. I don't know what it was supposed to look like originally, but it probably wasn't supposed to look anything like that. And they had to do that all on the fly. And I was like, okay. More noticeable is the battle. So they had planned to have a battle. People charging, fighting. They have the Trollocs. I don't know if you really saw this, but like the Trollocs in episode one, to me, look amazing. And then in episode eight, the Trollocs show up and it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's dark. You know, there's some CGI and stuff, man. No one really knows what's happening here. Don't pay attention too much because... They have, like, practical effects, like people in costume supposed to do this whole battle, and then COVID happens, and they have none of them. They have none of these people to come back. So suddenly, it's like, you have this battle in your script. What do you do? Ah, uh, the battle's happening, but now it's CGI. Yay. And, like, that doesn't make it easier. Like, just because they have money, they have to redirect funds. They've already sunk into something over here. Like, they have to be paying people for COVID stuff. And also, it's like, even though they had, like, what, eight, ten million per episode, which seems like... A crazy amount of money. Like, how can anything look bad with that much money? It's like, yeah, actually, money just disappears when stuff like this is happening. <laughs> yeah. When you realize, like, Endgame is, like, I don't know. Yeah. I think it was, like, $200 million or something. It may, really makes Perfect. you, like, realize that movies, like, movie production value versus TV show production value, even something as great as Game of Thrones, like, movie production values on a whole, like, a, an order of magnitude more than that stuff. So, the reason why I thought there was a barely any fight in the last episode was the same reason like Game of Thrones did not really have a fight 
at the end of season one or like uh, the episode before, right? Yeah. Right. They they just didn't have the budget for it. So I assume it was like, okay, we're going to make uh, Tyrion fall asleep, you know, knock out, then come back out and the fight is over. And I was like, I, I thought this was a similar thing. This is if season one passes, does well. Season two, they'll have more budget and we'll see an actual fight scenes in the future. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough about that. all that nonsense. Uh, let's actually talk about the show. Overall thoughts. Did you like it? Did you not like it? If I wasn't forcing you to watch the show, would you ever have watched it? And would you watch season two in either of those scenarios? <laughs> I would definitely watch season two now. Okay. I wouldn't have made it past episode one or two. Okay. I, If it weren't for you, I would not have made it past those ones. I'd probably move on to another TV show. But because... You like it so much, and I trust you, since I've talked to you for probably, what, over 50 hours about storytelling and movies and all this stuff. I trusted you, and uh, I went further, and uh turns out as... The turning point, I think, for me was the, the fifth Dragon Reborn. When they had that guy come up, I was like, okay, this is an interesting twist that I like, and... Also, we're not just going to focus on the four characters. There's actually these other side characters that I'm more interested in, right? I like Lan. I like Maureen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, these other characters, and they're actually going to focus on these characters. So I'm bought in now. Okay. Rosamund Pike is definitely killing it. I don't know why, but I was concerned that, oh, they got a high a high an profile. An A-listed actor. An A-lister, A-list actor. And I thought, oh, is she just going to show up and kind of just phone it in? I was a little bit worried about that. And then when I saw her, I was like, okay, no, no, no. She's actually playing this role and trying to own it. So that that's good. I'm sort of on the same page with you. I, so for me, it was sort of uh, like an arc. I thought the first episode, first, second episode were not, I wasn't really feeling it. Everything was much better for me on rewatch. Fun fact, I watched all of these episodes more than once because the first time I almost always hated it. And then I had to go and watch it again. And divorce myself from the book. Because the first time I'm watching it and I know what the book is. And basically all I can see is what's not happening. And it's annoying me. And then actually knowing what happened in the episode. I go back and watch it again. And just appreciate the episode for what it's trying to do. And be like, ah, that was much better. That was actually a good episode of television. If I stop expecting it to be something else. Um, But the first two episodes I thought were eh. And paced, especially the first episode, paced very weirdly. Episode 3, I really enjoyed. I thought they were starting to settle in. Episode 4, it's good. Episode 5, though I thought it was an interesting choice to focus that much on the storyline they did on the guy committing suicide. I still thought it worked and it was interesting. Episode 6, I love. Episode 7 was kind of my favorite. 6 and 7, one of those is my favorite. And then episode 8, for me, was a steep drop-off. I didn't like episode 8 as much. I mean, it's not like I hated the episode or anything. There's parts of it I like. So I like the confrontation he has with uh, the Dark One. I like all of that. I thought it was very interesting. The parts I didn't like were the battle, which obviously yeah. they had budgetary issues. But at the end of the day, I still have to judge the show for what the show is doing. So the battle was kind of whatever. And I thought it didn't make a lot of sense that they have this, you know, this fortification and this choke point, And then they, all they do is shoot crossbows out of it. I'm like, first of all, not crossbows. Use a bow and arrow because crossbows are notoriously short range and have really long reload times secondly you can pour some tar and oil or something do anything for this defense to make it just not worth firing a child because it doesn't make any sense as a defensive measure as far as I'm concerned I didn't know you were a, <laughs> a tactical I am not and maybe I said something right there that was wrong but it just seemed like it felt kind of 
season eight of Game of Thrones where they were doing their whole defense of the city and the entire time I'm, I'm thinking, there's so much else you could have done. It feels like you didn't really try to protect the city. Oh, kind of why did you mention that episode? <laughs> we'll move on quickly from that. <laughs> you hurt me. Um, <laughs> the strategy in that... I, it, it's a good point, though. Strategy, definitely, like, for fantasy and for war movies, like, you have to have good written characters, but you also actually have to have some actual good strategy, right? Yeah. Well, depending on the kind of fantasy, like, we can hand-wave some things away and say, okay, yeah, I don't yeah. care too much, as long as it looks fun or everything. But that was one of those things where I'm like, why are they just shooting crossbows? I feel like you could be doing more things. And, again, I have no idea. Maybe they planned to do more and just couldn't because... Uh, yeah. time constraints, COVID, budget, whatever. But still, they didn't, and I thought it was disappointing. I also thought... Uh, I did not like the fake-out deaths. I thought there were too many fake-out deaths in, oh. this, in this entire show. And I don't know how I feel about this, so I'll just throw it out there. I feel like sometimes the show might have been valuing style and flashiness over substance. I'll hear what you think about that, because things like that, the fake-out there in the end where, you know, Nynaeve is burnt out or whatever, and then... Egwene gets sad, cries on her, and heals her, I guess. <laughs> Why did that need to happen? If we're not killing this character off, and you're definitely not killing this character off as far as I'm concerned because she has way more things to do before this, this story is over, so why did we even go there? Why did we even bother, right? And maybe future seasons will make this make perfect sense and it will be great, but for now I'm just like, you knew what the outcome was going to be, yet you did this stupid thing anyway, and you just yeah. let me annoyed for no reason. Similarly, to a lesser extent in episode 4, when everyone gets cut with shrapnel or whatever, and then Nynaeve just does an AoE mass heal or something, and it's like, okay? Like, again, kind of a cool moment, but like, are we not losing some of like uh, the stakes when people can just bring people back from the dead without even trying? Yeah, so let's talk about episode 4 or 1. When I saw them all die, I was like, if this is actually true, this changes the story in so many ways. And I was going to be so interested. And then AOE healing, like you said, and I was like, I don't like this, but I can still buy into it that there's like, there's still a revelation, right? There's a revelation that she's super powerful. Okay. I guess the story's going to tell me how powerful is she? Like, this is a hint of it. <laughs> the last one really annoyed me though, because she is the most infuriating character out of the whole set of characters i think mm -hmm. so when she died i was like you did well you did well <laughs> you had a fine death and i'm ready to see you go you're ready to go yeah i won't be annoyed with you if you die right here and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah Nynaeve is my second favorite character in that entire books i love the actress zoe robbins representation of Nynaeve because when people are like i hate Nynaeve i'm like yeah yeah, I hate Nynaeve a lot too. <laughs> but she's my favorite, one of my favorite characters just because I remember reading these books when I was, when I first started and I, I remember talking to my friend about it and I was like, I was annoyed, greatly annoyed by a lot of the women in the books because they you can't say that because they, because of the way they were written, they were written into very weird like tropes and they, almost always like fit that job and as the, the books go on they grow out of it but initially they all fit this kind of except like Moraine and a, a couple but a lot of our core characters fit this kind of mold and were often just obnoxious and I was very annoyed by them and Nynaeve is very antagonistic she's an antagonistic person like she just she's extremely stubborn she carries her personality and she just like smacks everyone around and bullies people like she's not a very nice person a lot of the time. And it made me really frustrated with her character. But then I get to, I don't even know what it is. And I get to like the end of the book and I'm like, oh my God, this is one of my favorite characters. And like rereading the books now, like every time she does stuff, I'm just like, oh, Nynaeve, 
just you're just being yourself. Like, it's just like this fondness. I'm just like, oh, why are you doing that? But you know, just just love to see you be yourself. Ah, <laughs> oh, great to hear that she's not going to change. It was odd for me to watch her because she's the most infuriating character. But at the same time, I'm like, if I was a character in this show, that's me. Again, going back to the books, this is one of the things that the author wanted to do. He wanted to say, if you've ever read the first book, it, even watching the show, it draws a lot from Lord of the Rings. Like you can see the inspirations for some of that. And one of his core ideas was, hey, if you go to like a country, a country bumping people and say, hey, you're the guy, you're the one who's destined to save the world. And be like, come along with me. They'll probably be like, yeah, no, thank you. And he kind of wanted to explore that, like what that kind of burden can put on people and how people would realistically react to it. So again, a lot of the characters, it's like sometimes you love them, sometimes you really hate them because they're just being human beings. Yeah, yeah, she's a, she is a human being. <laughs> yeah, and they have their flaws. And it's like she doesn't like Moraine and she doesn't like Aes Sedai and the entire institution. Yeah. And she has reasons for that. Are those reasons valid? Probably not, but... That's how she feels, and like she's not going to stop feeling that way, yeah. at least anytime soon. It, it definitely helped too when it became more apparent that this was intentional. Her character, because <laughs> nothing is worse than a character who's very stuck up and stubborn and all this stuff, and it's treated as a as a cool thing or like a righteous thing. Yeah, definitely the TV show with, especially when her conversations with Moraine towards the end of the season, like Moraine is highlighting like. You're acting out not because you're confident. You're acting out out of insecurity, basically, right? Pretty much. Kind of a bit of that Zuko thing that Iroh's wise words. Iroh has a lot of wise uh, words. Pride is not the opposite of humility or something, but it's source or something like that. Interesting. Right? Yeah, I think... So that's one thing I'll say I think the show did the bang-up job on is they hit all the characters on the head. These are the, whatever you want to say about the plot. I'm like, these people understand who these characters are. And I think that's the most important part. So that's why I'm super willing to just give them leeway, left, right, set to change whatever they want. Because I think, based on the characters, I think they know what they're doing. Okay. Random point. I want to see if you caught this. So, Nynaeve says at the beginning, you probably didn't catch this because it was episode one. You probably weren't paying a lot of attention to what they were saying. The wind. The wind. No, she says to Moraine that she had her mentor walked from the village all the way to the White Tower, and they turned her away because she was a peasant, and they just, like, st- were stuck up about it. Does that make sense to you? They turned her away because she was a peasant? Yeah, they, she said something like, they took one look at her ragged clothes and peasant accent, and they, they basically turned her away. No, now that you mentioned that. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And this this is one of the things that I love about this book. It's like, she says that so confidently. And in that moment, you're like, yeah, the Aes Sedai suck. They're probably very, like, high-class, noble stuff. But it's like, then episode six, you're like, yeah, Swan was a fisher girl. And she rode all the way to Tavlon and became the Like, obviously, they don't turn people away because they're peasants. Was your mentor just lying to you? Did she go there? Was she not powerful enough? And they just turned her away because she couldn't do anything? And then she was embarrassed. Like, what happened there? Clearly, you don't have the right answer. <laughs> Raph, I know this is all in season one, yeah. but somehow it's still a plot twist to me that I'm not supposed to know yet. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> Those are the little things that make it fun. Yeah. I have an interesting question for you. You know what? This is off the cuff. It's not even in my notes. How do you think the magic works? I want I want to hear you, but I guess I should say it first. I want to hear you because I want to... I have some qualms and reservations about how visually clear they're being about stuff. 
like think there, there's things like when Nynaeve says something that's incorrect and then the show demonstrates that's incorrect and there's stuff that I, I don't know if it should be on Claire that I think might be on Claire but I have no idea because I haven't talked to anyone who hasn't read the book so okay. go. So they haven't talked a lot about it Yeah, actually how it works and I assume there's going to be more on it yeah. but from what I see the, I like the word channeling because it became apparent after a while that whatever this force is, midichlorians or not, um, <laughs> probably midichlorians, probably midichlorians. Um, what I thought was interesting is that it's not just your magic. It's a magic that can be transferred between people. And that's why it's called channeling, I assume, because like I noticed that the ice to die, right? Multiple times they would have multiple people line up and use their powers into one person or something like that. So there's a way that there's there's two ways to do it, I think, and it has to do with desire. I'm guessing the good channeling is a desire that's like more collective and communal, mm-hmm. and then there's uh, an evil desire that's more focused on yourself, which the the dark one is like, like take it for yourself, make it whatever you want it to be, mm-hmm. right? Um, I I don't know because I, there's an anime, my, my Hero Academia, right? Yeah. yeah. There's two characters, right? There's the all for one and one for all, and I I kind of have feel like there's a little bit of that dichotomy dichotomy in this magic i just don't know exactly how so my takeaway from that entire thing is you watch my hero academia <sighs> i watched a couple of seasons <laughs> if you got get the off. awful one and one for all you watch a lot of seasons <laughs> get off my back <laughs> i mean how was i <laughs> so that's that's very interesting that's right so how do you think the madness thing plays into that like they, they say men go mad like Oh. What do you think the reasons for that are? Uh, that I have no theories for. No. Obviously, it's been corrupted somehow. And I, I do think desire plays into this mm-hmm. somehow. I just... Haven't pieced it together yet? Not, yeah, I don't think there's enough info for me yet. I don't know. Interesting, interesting, interesting. That is very amusing. <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell me more. I, I'm trying to figure out what I can say that isn't this one. Because I don't want to oh. like just say... Not even a spoiler. I don't think explaining how the magic works in the books is a spoiler. It's just background lore that, I mean, you will understand it over time. But the very interesting thing about the show is I don't necessarily know what's correct because I know what's correct in the books. But that, that that might not be what the show does. They might change things and modify things in certain ways. So me just spell actually works like this in the books might just be confusing you more. What has sometimes happened is I have just enough information or just enough rope to hang myself, basically. I know just enough about the world, that when I see things on the show and I'm trying to uh, sync up how that works in the books, I'm just like, well, this doesn't work. This doesn't make any sense. And I start getting confused. And then like 30 minutes later, the show says something. I'm like, oh, that's what they're going with. And it's just, it's different from the books. That's fine. So I'm trying to figure out what. You can give me a grade. A grade. So there's channeling and there's a good way and a bad way to channel it. And the madness has something to do with the bad way that men channel it. I'd give you, like, a D. <laughs> if I was just judging, like, how do you understand real-time magic? That's like a D. Hey, hold on. <laughs> I use a keyword desire. Yes. Let's do D. Are you trying to make me drop you to an F? <laughs> <laughs> and I mentioned communal versus... Yeah, so that's the thing that happened. It's called linking. Linking. As they said multiple times, they're linking. Okay, this uh, is the point where I will explain it, mostly. So, if someone doesn't want to know, probably skip, like, a minute. <laughs> there's, so, there's Sidon, there's Sidar. 
So what is corrupted is Sardine, and that's what the men are drawing from. Because that's what, when uh, the former dragon tried to do whatever he did, obviously he was a man, he was using Sardine, he tried to do some stuff, whatever he did, whatever, it's corrupted now, is the point. And that's why, you know, you see Logan, when he starts channeling, it comes out, and it looks clear, right? Like the women's, and then the little black thing follows, because it's corrupted. The women's is not corrupted. The men's is. So it has really nothing to do with how you're thinking about channeling, it's just the source you're channeling from is corrupted. But... They explain that in the TV show, though. They do. But that wasn't in your explanation. <laughs> oh, like, I'm... <laughs> Fine. I think I deserve a D. <laughs> and, I mean, the intent matters as only as much as, you know, what do I intend to do with any weapon, right? It's, it's magic. You can wield it. Whatever you decide to do with it is up to you. I don't know if the show will go into this and it's probably very irrelevant actually is, but the way they describe like accessing the source is very like meditative. Like, so people try to get into like a calm state of mind, surrender or focus or whatever to actually access it. So it's like, you have to get in a particular state of mind to access it, but then once you access it, you have it and you just, you go, go do the things. (laughs) Okay. So intent is just a way to use it. It's not the source of it. Yeah. Okay. Want to jump into characters now? Sure. Yes. Absolutely. Exactly. All right. We're going to start with Rand since you seem to have had the greatest arc with him on enjoyment. So give me the two-minute spiel of why you hated him at the beginning, the two-minute spiel of why you liked him by the end, and whatever else you have. <laughs> yeah, I don't really need to explain why I hate him. I think that's very obvious. So I'll just move <laughs> to <laughs> no. Um the way he portrayed himself is he portrayed himself in the beginning as almost like he is the bomb. Okay. A little bit like the way he walked the mannerisms. And I felt like, wait, hold on. Aren't you like this peasant from the small town? Who's just like, maybe like a hunter or something. Like you seem like a chill. You're, it seems like the, the writing or the actions you're doing are like, I'm a fairly, you know, chill person, not big scope person, but you walk around as if, you know, you're, you have bigger things on your mind. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, it makes sense. It, I hated it at first, the kind of way he carried himself, but I realized in the plot twist with the, the dark wind or something in the ways. The black wind? The black wind, not the dark wind. The black wind in the ways, when they reveal what he was told, it was like he knew the whole time, right? He just didn't want to accept it, right? But he kind of knew the whole time that he was kind of special, and, you know, had this kind of stuff going on. So I thought that was cool. And then the way that he still, you know, loved his girlfriend. Egwene. Egwene and... You can give them nicknames. <laughs> how he loved Eggy. And who's the tall guy? Oh, Beast Boy. Parent. Yeah, Beast Boy. Beast um, Boy. <laughs> and Matt. Yeah, and the way he, like, he cared for Matt and all these things, like... I saw that, like, despite all he was struggling, he was actually a good friend still. So I thought he was more interesting. And his choice to go off with Moraine was an excellent choice, I think. Okay. Yeah. I already know the character. So mostly I was trying to see how is Yosha, that's the actor, played his character. And I think he did a swell job. In terms of, like, how he carries himself, yes, some of that... Is explained by the end when you're like, oh, he's been grappling with the fact that 
his dad is not his dad and there's a very good chance he's a dragon reborn like this entire time and that's been weighed on his mind but I also think just I mean they're two rivers folk and they think a lot of themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean you see how Nynaeve walks around like just like it being bossy or uh, argumentative for everyone this is just kind of how they are some people have a stick up their butt and some people think a lot of themselves and it's fine I did like episode 7 for that reframing and being like oh he's been thinking about this for a while. And, you know, every time he's like, maybe it's Matt or saying, well, it's Matt the one. You're like, so in the back of your mind, you've been like, but I can channel though. So like, you've just been lying to yourself. And that's, that's very interesting. And then he, him choosing to go, I thought was, you know, the classic, like heroes, noble sacrifice, martyr yeah. stuff. But I did find very, I don't know, satisfying the resolution. I think the, the way that, you know, the dark one tried to tempt him with like this perfect world. One of my favorite things about Rand is that, he just wants to be, like, on his farm with his wife and his kids. Like, there has never been a more domestic person in the world. <laughs> he just he just wants to be chilling on the farm. Like, he doesn't want any of this. At least, uh, at least so far. And the Dark One is, like, tempting him with, this is the thing, you can have this, you can remake the world. How that's supposed to work, I don't know. But he can remake the world however he wants. And And this is, you know, really a very low bar. But it's a bar that not a lot of people cross. So great job, Rand. It's like, hey, this might be great, but that's not the woman I love, right? Like, she's been saying this entire time. She wanted to be a wisdom. And she wanted to be as that. She's clearly an ambitious person who wants to go. So, like, this person who is just fine staying here, having a kid with me, this is not the right person. I'm like, wow, way to recognize her agency, man. Good job. True. <laughs> True. I, I did respect that. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed that as, like, a, a catharsis because, like, he's been being very... Uh, whiny about it actually from the first episode like when she first said it, he was like very he walked away and then he was like almost like nagging her and trying to guilt trip her and then he keeps bringing up oh you walked away from me right so the fact that he finally at least we understand that in his head he gets it even though he can sometimes still be you know mean or salty about it he gets it in his head he gets it and they're like that's good I like that yeah yeah who's next on our chopping block Egwene, because I want to talk about Moraine last. last. Egwene. Honestly, she's fine. Portrayal, I think, again, still great. She feels like Egwene to me, but I'm like, I don't think she did a lot. I don't think a lot of them did a lot in this season, honestly. What do you think? Yeah, uh, it's a setup, but I I definitely felt like I got to know her character. I know that she's um, she has her own ambitions and all that, and she's also pretty pretty trusting towards Moraine, which I kind of liked. Like, she kind of realized pretty earlier than anyone else that, like, Moraine can be trusted. I know that's not a completely true statement, but, you know, for what they were doing, like, she has good intentions. Yeah. Right? And she was able to recognize that first. I think there's a very interesting thing where in the books, you're, especially the first book, you're really focused on Rand most of the time. That's why it's not in any way whatsoever a mystery in the books who the main character is like but so like Moraine is like this mysterious figure that you're never in their head and so she's much easier to distrust in the books like mm-hmm. what is she actually about it's also very easy to trust her because you're reading a fantasy and it's old school fantasy and there's like the wise wizard comes into town and you're like they're probably a good person right like it's very easy to trust her but like the show does a similar thing where like it does show you that she does scheme but at the yeah. same time it's like she's kind of the main character of season one Arguably a toss-up between her and Rand, but I feel like it's it's more focused on her. Well, the main character is not going to be evil, so there's no reason to distrust Moraine most of the time. Um, 
Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I, my favorite part of all of Egwene was when they met the Armalyn, and the Armalyn was like, so I've heard you're the most powerful channeler you've seen in a thousand years. And you can just see the way she just lights up. She's like, ah, oh, yeah, it's me, right? It's me. Nynaeve. She's like, oh! <laughs> that, to me, was just like, mm, yes, perfect. <laughs> Beast Boy, pairing himself. How do you feel about the the man? He, I, I would assume that he was probably the most interesting person off of episode one because he killed his wife. Is that true? Did you find him the most interesting person? Um, I think after episode one, I was most interested in Matt. Okay. But yes, it definitely he was like uh, a number two there because it's like, okay, are you uh, going to do anything with this? They, they don't kind of immediately tackle it, right? And I feel like that's fair. But as the, the season progresses, you see more of his like guilt. And what really makes it interesting to me is that he starts guilting himself because he has feelings for Egwene. Yeah. And I think that adds a whole nother dimension to like this him killing her, right? So I thought that was, mm, that hits like a, that's tough, man. Yeah. At first, I thought it was a bit disappointing when I got to the end um, that he didn't really do anything. Like, action-wise. But the more I've thought about it, the more I like it. Because he has a very emotional arc for the entire time. In the books, Perrin is in his head a lot. If you're in Perrin's head, he does a lot of thinking before he does anything. And when you're out of Perrin's head, you're like, wow, yeah, he's just standing there. He's probably doing a lot of thinking. Because I remember those five chapters I read of him just thinking. <laughs> so, the, the, obviously, he can't just be thinking in the show. But I think they, they found a very great way of externalizing all the stuff that's happening in his head. It's like, he kills his wife. And initially, I didn't like that because I thought, this character is done for the rest of the this, this season, right? Like, I will not accept him doing anything because he killed his wife. And any reasonable person is going to just shut down after that. So I thought it was like in the second episode, he was very quiet and like mumbling about and like he had the injury, which he didn't say anything about, kind of like he was punishing himself. So I thought that was good. And... The one-one time gap did make it easier to accept that he'd, like, come out of his shell a little bit more. Mm. Um, and then, of course, they started playing tic-tac-toe on his back. So, you know, that doesn't help. And <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second there to figure out what you were saying. I, I guess I would say I, I don't think I got enough from The Way of the Leaf. I understand by the end that, like, that's supposed to be something he's struggling with. Violence versus peace. I know they talked about it and he was with them, but I didn't get enough of him discussing it, I guess. I, I didn't get enough... And that's a lot of what this show, some of my gripes with it and the editing is. A lot of time I can infer what you mean, but I didn't, I didn't see enough of it. I just, I have the pieces to put it together, but I didn't, I wanted to see a little bit more of that develop. And I guess by the end when he's like, the way of belief is bullshit. I'm like, ah, I see what you're doing here, but like, I really didn't see the part where you were fully buying into it, I guess. Don't do the way of the leaf. Be the way of the sword. How do you feel about the way of leaf, actually? Uh... Don't like it? Surprisingly, I mean, people have strong opinions about this, which is very hilarious. I don't know. It reminds me of marijuana and the hippies, I guess. <laughs> sorry, sorry, gypsies. Is that better? That's worse. They're the Romani people. <laughs> the way of the leaf, the ones who don't fight, right? Yeah. And they like all stand right there, and then the the the, the, the way of the hands. light is like chuckles and is like, let's just punch them down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I recognize that they're a bunch of pacifists, and obviously in a violent confrontation, they're not advantaged. But that doesn't mean that their way of thinking is 
uh, is not something we should strive for, right? It's like, they're like, we don't want violence in the world. Most people can probably agree that we don't want violence in the world. We can make fun of them, but I'm like, I mean, do they not have a point? Can we all just stop fighting? I don't hate the way of life. I'm just like, I don't think it, especially in a fantasy setting where presumably the forces of good and evil are going to battle. I'm like, this is probably not the greatest <laughs> moral to have right now, but I can vibe with it. <laughs> yes. Like, of course we all want peace, but then that's the question of like the, the world, right? Can the world actually obtain it? To be fair, I did like what she said. Like, she was talking about vengeance. Yeah. And what, uh, what greater vengeance against death than life or something like that? What greater vengeance against violence than peace? Okay. Yeah. Which I thought was a cool line, and I understand the motivations. I'm not, I guess I should take back a little bit of what I said, but it's just like, you got a dark one right here, and you know, it. The guy's called the Dark One, just <laughs> FYI. <laughs> it's called Dark One, probably not because he's a very good guy. <laughs> you see those Trollocs? They are not really interested in peace. <laughs> the only way their story will become interesting is that if they actually manage to have a discussion with the Dark One and convince him to stop fighting. You got 14 books to go, man. Who knows what could happen? <laughs> this is probably a small one. There's Lan, Loyal. I'll group them up because they're very minor. You like Lan? I like Lan. Got anything else to say about Lan? No, I, I liked him. Uh, I felt like the acting was competent, but I liked his dedication towards Moraine. Like, he really felt like, yes, I'm going to, I serve this person and I do it well. Like, he doesn't complain about the way she, he serves her, even though she is hard to serve, right? More yep. than other Aes Sedai teams. He serves her well and he, like, does it to the T. Uh, I thought that was cool. I thought his weeping, I think that was the most most emotional scene for me. There's a lot of people who don't like that scene because he's supposed to be this, you know, the classic, like, stoic, macho, macho, not necessarily macho, macho, but, like, this stone-cold guy who, like, doesn't, you know, uh, his face is like a mountain and death walks where he walks or whatever it says in the books. But <laughs> um, I, I really like that, getting to see, because he's got emotions. A friend just died, and... Honestly, he's not even crying in that scene. He's no. actually just screaming. No, that's the thing. I, I'm surprised people didn't like that because that's a stoic... Think, I think that most people who don't like that are, again, getting caught up in what they expect the character to be and not what the show is telling but, you is. But part of what made it so emotional for me was that it's a stoic... Yeah. It's a stoic weep. Like, he's yelling like... If I could yell like that... And I don't know, I think that might actually be a real thing that happens in some cultures, like a chief mourner. I, I don't know anything about it. I probably could have looked it up. I didn't look it up, but I think that's a real thing, uh, which is a very interesting concept. This person gets to, is obligated to weep and grieve openly to make it easier for everyone else to grieve if they need to. So I'm wondering how it actually ties into like his Asian heritage. I don't know. I, I watch Chinese movies here and there, and I watch I do watch Hollywood movies here and there. You've watched Hollywood movies? I, I have. Okay. Um, even just you know, talking to people who you know come from an Asian culture, the the voice is a little bit lower and and deeper generally, and I can see how like an Asian voice can hit the the tone that he was hitting, and I I have a little harder time seeing like Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans. Or, you know, any other, like, American actor hitting that same, that tone that he had. I could be wrong. How do you feel about his uh, romance with uh, 
Wisdom. My least favorite character in the book. In the show, yeah. In the sh- <laughs> Sorry, yes. <laughs> I can't get ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was happy to see her die. <laughs> nah, anyway. sorry. Not happy. I was content. Okay, okay. You were like, this is good. This you, is can, you can stop now. <laughs> I, her alive just means Lan is... Uh. <laughs> okay. Loyal. Who is Loyal? Is the, the, the talkie guy, the book guy, the not human guy. The ogre ogre? The ogre, yep. I, I liked how they had ogre. That, yeah. I thought he would look a little bit more like Shrek. Um, yeah, that one is definitely that, a, a budget thing. Like, where was his swamp? But other than that, it was fine. Where was his swamp? He's yeah. not an ogre. He's an ogier. Isn't that, like, similar? No, obviously not. <laughs> Tell me, with your fantasy wisdom, what's the difference? One has an eye in it, the other doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I thought he looked... Like, he looked whatever. I got used to it after an episode, but, like, that's... I don't think that's how anyone expected Loyal to look. But it's, again, one of those things where, like, I would have just purely hated it. I still don't necessarily like it, but I understand the reasoning behind it, because if we did a lot of CGI on this guy, that would be very expensive. Would you rather we did a lot of CGI on this guy, and then he barely showed up, or we did less CGI on this guy, and he could show up more often? So what did you expect him to be? Uh, I'm just interested. More like an... I can look up, like, fan art of it and just show you, like, they have, like, really long ears and, um... Is the hair curly? That's what I noticed. The hair curly is not a thing that's really ever mentioned, as far as I recall in the books. Like, they have, like, bushy eyebrows and stuff like that. He's too short. He should be, like, eight, nine feet tall kind of thing. Again, these are things that don't... It doesn't really matter. As long as he... He's, he feels like loyal, he, like, he is the character, then it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Hopefully there's no important plot line where he was eight feet tall. And, and so he could, he could reach, reach the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll figure out a way around that if there is. Uh, how do you feel about Leandrin and Fane? Who? Leandrin. That's the red sister. Uh. Braids. Strong cheekbones. Yeah. That one. Yeah. yeah. And then Pat and Fane, the peddler. Swaggerlicious. <laughs> the fifth. Dragon Reborn? No, uh, the peddler, the guy. Oh! Yeah, I don't have much thought on him yet. It was a pleasant surprise. Did you see him in episode 5? No. He was in uh, Tarbala. So they were playing this weird Where's Waldo thing with him. So the first episode when he shows up, there's like this whistling. He's whistling when he shows up. And then that whistling pops up again in episode 2, I think. When Matt's sleeping, there's that whistling sound, and then Matt wakes up and goes and grabs the dagger, which makes you wonder, was he there? And then episode five, you hear that whistling again, and when, when the boys are entering the um, the inn for the first time, he's literally center in frame. I cannot believe I missed it the first time. He's literally center in frame, just standing there. But because you're probably focused on other things, like the boys walking in, he's just there, standing at a doorway. Which tavern? When they show up in Tervalon, like they show up, they go to an inn, right? To the White Tower? Town? Tarvalon. <laughs> Tarvalon is the White Tower? Tarvalon. However you want to pronounce it. Tarvalon. Yeah. Okay. The White Tower is the White Tower. Okay. Tarvalon is the city there. When they show up there, they go to an inn. And you hear the whistling again. And later on in that episode, actually, either when Ran meets Loyal, he's looking down, or a different time when Matt is looking down, you can see Pat and Fane just sitting in the thing. He's just like watching. He laughs and he walks away. And it's like this like random half a second. It's like... like 
what, what is he doing here? <laughs> I do like me some Where is Waldo in my movies. Yeah. And then in the ways, you probably noticed that one in episode seven, when, uh, I mean, obviously, you probably definitely saw when he walked out of the ways. Oh, that was him. Yeah, he walked out. But also, while they were in the ways, when the truck showed up and all that, and they started running, there's like this flash of light. First of all, you hear the whistling, and that's when a grain wakes up again, right? And then Chalk shows up, yada yada, all the stuff that happens, and they start running. And there's like a flash of lightning or whatever, and he's standing there. And it's like, what is happening? Why is he just popping up in random places? What is he doing? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It, I think I like that. Yeah. I'll have to rewatch. <laughs> uh, who was the other character? The Red Eye Sedai yeah. woman? I like she, she had a little bit more to do than show up in the background. <laughs> She's. By the law, you know, she represents that justice by the sword kind of character, I think. I wouldn't even say she's by the law, because she's definitely skirting the law, right? Okay. It's justice by the sword, Justice I think. by whatever I say justice is. <laughs> Which is... The sword. The sword, right? <laughs> she seems more prone to, to use violence to solve a problem, right? Yeah. I thought she was interesting. I think uh, she's a good counterpart to Moraine. Yeah, I thought she's very easy to hate. Immediately did not like her. I really? Mean, I have context on the books, but like, I th- yeah, I think they're doing a great job. She's like, you can see where she's coming from, though. Like, she has a point. I just don't like the way she goes about anything. I don't like how aggressive she is about juggling people. It seems a little bit aggressive. You know, they're in the tower and then she just freaking throws Moraine under the bus. I'm just like, yeah, it's not cool. That's not cool, Andrew. That's not cool. And she's poking her nose and everything. Yeah, hate's a strong word. I, I guess I definitely don't like her. I'm not, I'm wary of, like, her, like, what her motives are and, like, what her, mm. like, what she's planning, like, what she would do. Yeah, she, she has a point. She seems to have some morals yeah. behind what she's, what she's thinking. And I think she does, I think why it's not annoying to me, like, those actions is, I think she has a certain authoritative point. Like, she is an Aes Sedai, she is part of the Red, whatever that means, but I kind of understand that there's, there's a duty that she has to kind of do certain things. They're basically the magic bullies. Yeah. And, I mean, if, if Maureen's going around doing stuff you don't know about, like, I, I can see holding a person accountable, even if it's in slightly not cool ways. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Nanif. I've already said what I had to say about her. Didn't like her. Well. She's me. <laughs> She's you? <laughs> Expand on that. How is she you? Because I don't see it. (laughs) I think she's like overly aggressive in the way she speaks, antagonizing to people. Like she will push people with her comments for like a low comeback at best, to be honest. Like (laughs) Moraine, Moraine says like, oh, you're the strongest in a thousand years or something. She's like, your standards are low. And I'm like, what a low comeback. The amount of, like, the <laughs> little self-worth you have or <laughs> dignity you have, like, to just do that. The, that's sadly me. <laughs> I'll go for low blows just because I'm antagonizing or I feel threatened or I'm insecure about something, you know. Okay. Which is... and But then I'll try to pass it off as confidence or try to pass it off as pride, you know, that I feel like that's her. This description does not sound like you, but if you feel that's yourself, then that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it fine? I don't know. This isn't a therapy podcast. 
today <laughs> we're going to be unpacking <laughs> my teenage years. Okay. Yeah, I like my name. Uh, I don't really have much to say about it. Yeah. I like, yeah. Matt. <laughs> oh, we're still not at Moraine. Yeah, she's the next one. Oh, no, she's not the next one. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Matt's an idiot, but... Yes. But I think he still has character. Like, I see how much he cares for his family, and he feels a bit slimy. He also looks a little bit like... Uh, I mean, some of that's probably the uh, the yeah, corruption that the was corruption. happening to him. Even before the corruption, a little bit. Like, he, I noticed before. he... Come yeah. on. <laughs> no, no. But I think that adds to his character, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So... It, it fits his character, and I thought him leaving or not joining them was an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. It would be cool if he turns out to be one of the four and he ends up being bad. One of the four? You know, like, he's one of the four main characters, right, from the village? Five. Five. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as much as you would like to kill off Nine if she's part of that. <laughs> Fine. It's one of the five. Now it's Power Rangers. Um... <laughs> It'd be cool if he's one of the... Fun fact, Zoe Robbins in Power Rangers. No way. Yeah, I don't know which one, but she was in Power Rangers. <laughs> I'm guessing yellow. Anyhow, it'd be cool to see if he becomes a bad guy. I know. I think that would make an interesting story. It would. Yeah, I liked his... I liked characters. You clearly see that he's a conflicted person. Like, he's obviously got a good heart, right? Like, he's trying to care for his sisters and all that stuff. But, yeah, there's definitely, like... He's got an edge, I guess. And I find that interesting. Did you feel like his character... Like, did you notice when he picked up the dagger, did you feel like his character was changing? Or is that something that didn't really... Like, obviously, when he starts... Evil stuff starts coming out of him. Obviously, stuff is happening there. But, like, in episode three, did you feel like he was a little bit different or anything like that? I thought he was just an idiot. (laughs) I mean, yes, he is. And a little bit lazy, which I think he is. Right? Like, he well, he would do anything... To get something done, but he will always choose the easiest path, I guess. The path of least resistance. Yeah, so, like, he doesn't want to shovel poop. Mm-hmm. But if he can, you know, I don't know, be a, a waiter, right? And have some fun with his waiting skills. And Yeah. It's definitely one of those things where I felt, in when he was picking up the dagger, I was like, this is one of those moments where you realize that these characters don't realize they're in a fantasy story. Because there has never been a more evil-looking dagger in, in the world. That clearly evil corrupted dagger is clearly evil and corrupted. Please put that down. Also, Moraine said, no, Lance said, don't said, touch, touch anything. Touch nothing. Guys, surely a dagger is not something to touch. Uh, I love when, like, Moraine's like, you fool of stupid boy. <laughs> Just, you fool of a toque. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got a... Is it, which one? Mary or Pippin? Who's the... Pippin. Pippin? Yeah, he's got Just Pippin less alive. charming than Pippin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Logan. That's the false dragon. Thoughts about it? Do you like him? you like uh, Alvaro Morte? I liked him. They introduced him quickly. He comes as this, like... I am the one, and has a bit of a, like, Jesus to him. Yeah, he's got a Jesus vibe. He's got flowing robes. He's got the hair. So, yeah, I like that he was, like, a a false prophet, or I guess that's my term, a false dragon. Yeah. And that, like, uh, that he was uh, gentrified. What's the word? Gentled. Gentled. I was going to say gentrified. I don't know why. Him basically, like, 
pushing on the 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 armament seat. The what? The armament seat. The armament seat. The armament. The armadillo seat. Yep. Um, I liked how he was basically doing that so that he could just die. Yeah. I think, yeah, that was good portrayal of, like... Because the one power is, like, ecstasy, honestly. You get it, and it feels great, and then if you get cut off from it, like, you just spiral into depression and can't apparently just cannot live anymore. So... And, Side note. Yeah. So now you understand why Electro in Spider-Man, when he got all that power all that power was like ecstasy so like that's why he well, was it, bad it was literally changing the way he was the one part doesn't change you as a person but losing it can it was, be it was ecstasy <laughs> <laughs> sorry back on time um, but I, I did enjoy like in the cold open uh, when he's taking over the city and whatever that he's clearly insane to some degree because he's got little dark things talking to him but <clears throat> He's not beholden to that, right? Like, he's still in control of himself. Oh, yeah. true. Yeah. Because they were telling him, you know, you can't trust anyone, kill everyone. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to heal you. So, at the very least, whatever you think about it, I think that he he believes he is. And honestly, why would he not? He's a guy he can channel. He's powerful. And he's like, maybe I'm the Dragon Reborn. And he goes around and starts doing Dragon Reborn stuff. And he's like, oh, how else am I supposed to know if I'm the guy or not? That's true. I, I'd say what I liked about him was his agency, like you yeah. mentioned. Agency would be the key term. Because, like, he wasn't just like, oh, I'm completely corrupted now. I'm going to do whatever I want. And even after he was gentled, he still was able to scheme and devise a way in which he thought he could kill himself, right? Yeah. Like, he had agency. Yep. Um... Now we can talk about who you want to Yay. talk about. Tom. Um, what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's the gleaming. Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn? Oh, Moraine's Qui-Gon Jinn. Think about it. I'm thinking about it. The White Tower is the Jedi Council. Okay. That's where all the politics happens. Uh-huh. Right? That's where all the things are going on. And guess what? Qui-Gon Jinn don't like the Jedi politics. Who doesn't like the... The I used to die politics that much, but is still good at it. Moraine. So she goes off on her venture to find the chosen one. Who stumbles upon the chosen one? Qui-Gon Jinn. Okay. Do I have to say more? It's like Yeah, I wanna see the full thing play out. She finds the chosen one uh-huh. and she just she feels like she's a part of that group, but also not completely a part of that group. Like has her own agenda, has her own wise philosophy, right? Qui-Gon Jinn had his own wise philosophy. What's her wise philosophy? Well, she had, more so than other Aes Sedai, I felt like she has a lot of understanding of the past and, like, and of of the prophecies that are coming, right? She had interpreted the prophecies, right? To an extent. To an extent, yes. Uh, I mean, she has a leg up on most other Aes Sedai in that she knows the dragon has been reborn. Yeah. And most people don't know that. Okay. But she's able to interpret it and apply it and, like, do stuff on her own. And that's kind of like how Qui-Gon was. Like, he... It's not really explained that well in the movies, I suppose. But, like, his character was that he actually had an, a, a wise understanding of the teachings from the previous Jedi. Whereas maybe some other Jedi would mostly focus on the now and the politics of the now and defending now. He understood the past and how it applied to, to now and the future. Which I think I get a vibe from Moraine. Okay, sure, that works for me. Moraine is Qui Gon Jinn. Yes, <laughs> that's all I wanted to say. No, I like Moraine. I so I really enjoy how 
I think it's Rosamund Pike's acting. A lot of times she and Lan are not actually saying words to each other, which I find interesting. Like, she will say something, he'll give her a look. She'll say something else, he'll give her another look. And it's like, I assume you guys, whatever your mystical connection is, allows you guys to get more out of each other's, like maybe if you read each other's minds, whatever, right? So that's interesting, but I find what I found most interesting was like, times in which she's clearly trying not to lie. That's one of the things I find fascinating about Aes Sedai in general. Yeah. Just the fact that they cannot say things that are, they know to be untrue, but how little that actually stops someone from just, for all intents and purposes, just lying to you, uh, right? Because it's too, especially in episode seven, which is probably why I like, no, sorry, episode six, which is why I like it so much is that episode six is like Moraine's episode, right? Like it's, I don't think there's a single shot that she isn't like in scene for. Yeah. Except the cold open. Uh, she's actually in every other shot. When she shows up to the boys, right? She's like, your friends, I have people looking for your friends or whatever. And then she finds uh, Egwene and Perrin and Perrin's like, are they here? And she's like, I have people looking for your friends or whatever. And she just, moves on and she just doesn't give a great information that your friends are right here. Why doesn't she give her the information? I don't know. Moraine likes to be controlling. I see. Like she wants to control everything and she tells them they might run off and start doing weird stuff. She's like, I'm just not going to give you the information so I can control you. And like when they're about to go into the ways, she's like, you know, when, when I first saw you guys, you know, you know, I didn't trust you and I didn't really know you, but now and then she stops. And then she starts saying something else. And you're like, yes, you still don't trust us, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and like, even so far as like where, when she, um, like obviously like before they go in, they're like, okay, what happens to people who, if we're not to dragon and we go to the eye of the world? And she's like, we can never know what will happen. And it's like, oh, oh, so, but, you, but you, you're pretty sure they're going to die, right? And then, then the next episode, she reveals that, right? And she's like, if you don't go, you will die there. And obviously, you can view that as like an altruistic thing. Like she's telling them the truth. She wants them to know. But I don't trust Moraine's motives at all. I always think Moraine just has like 10, 10 things in her head she's scheming about. So in my head, I read that as she's gotten to a point where she's she's talked to the seer. She's done all this stuff. And she doesn't know which one it is. And she's like, if any of these people has information that will make this more easy for me to, to figure out, I need to push them to do that. And she's like, your friends will die. So, you know, if you know something, tell me. And what happens? Ram goes and tells her. And it's like, this is Moray. Everything she does, she's constantly just scheming and manipulating people. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I agree. She is manipulative and deceptive, despite never lying. Yeah. She seems um, like she has, like, her heart's heart in the right place. She has a noble goal. Yeah. But she herself is a very deceptive and manipulative person. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I like the way she comes about it. It's actually intelligently done, the way she tries to manipulate everything. And even though it doesn't always work out, which is also a good thing, yeah. she's, you can see, like, she put a lot of thought into everything she's doing. Even the, like, and again, this, this feels like an acting thing, but it, it allows me to, like, almost get into the person's head and when they're giving her information and just the way her eyes dart around. Like, when people are talking to her, you can just see, like, her mind is just yeah going all over the place, trying to figure out how she can use anything to her advantage. Um, and with the dark one, when he took away her power... She's like, I got a knife. I got a knife. <laughs> I came here... I mean, he definitely could have handled that situation. Has they? What... Actually, we can dive into that. What, what do you think happened at the end? What do you think happened there? The dark one did something to her. She can't channel anymore. Rand did some light stuff. 
the dark one disappeared, and there was cracks on the floor. Like, what's happening? What's going on? So I think Moran was channeled to the mirror dimension. Okay. Um, you just introduced the concept, the mirror dimension? No. <laughs> Doctor Strange talked about the mirror. Ah, yes. I forgot that this was part of the MCU. <laughs> Uh, well, clearly, I, I, I'm going to say it's in Rand's head. Okay. And the the dark one just knows how to go into that person's head or something. I mean, they have been. He has been invading their dreams. So. Yeah. At this point, at least, I have no reason to believe that you can just make reality a reality the way you want it. Nothing the, has indicated that. The only place you're a god of a reality is your own mind. So. I'm assuming that's where Rand was. It was all in his head. Some sort of thing there. And uh, there's uh, the whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. You're having a stroke. <laughs> the prophecy uh-huh. says that he will either join him or turn against him or kill him, right? Yeah. Right. So Moraine is clearly defeat. defeat him. So Moraine has the knife in case by chance he decides to join him, she can kill him right away. Yeah. How is she going to know he joined him? That's left to be decided. <laughs> yeah. I understand, though, in a desperate situation where you have nothing else but a knife. <laughs> Use the knife. <laughs> might as well put it up against his neck and hope for the best, because, like... What do you have to lose? <laughs> the, the dark one, yeah. You're not exactly a match for him. She really wasn't. Like, like he, he handled her like that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay... I see we've we've established the power relations already. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought, and this is, I'm speculating. It's weird for me to speculate. <laughs> because I have, same thing. So I think watching that, things I know visually happen on screen. And where information is there, my speculation. Rad. And this is partly also because, you know, I know there's going to be more seasons. So obviously this conflict isn't done. <laughs> Oh, right. Yeah. So when Rand does the whole magic, boom, actually don't even need to freeze frame, just like watch the guy's face. He's kind of smirking the entire time. Like he's smirking in his entire conversation with Rand. And then when he's getting blasted away, he's kind of still smirking the way I saw it. I was like, I don't think anything that anyone thinks is happening right now is happening right now. And then Rand does this big magic whatever, and then the ground cracks. And what did they say about the Iron World? That's where the Dark One is sealed or whatever. And they're standing on this thing, and the ground cracks, and I'm like, did you just let the dark one out? Because it feels like you just let the dark one out. That's what it feels like to me. <laughs> oh, darn it. Yeah. So, that... and That... that, that oh, is... <laughs> the Okay, I thought this was, like, a Voldemort thing. Like, maybe. I don't know what they're, they're going to do with it, but, like... Based on what I'm like, I don't think you accomplished anything here that was good. <laughs> well, like, more like Voldemort, like, in the first movie or in the first book, he's defeated, but, you know, he's still somewhere, is lingering somewhere, right? Yeah. I thought that was kind of something like that. I did not realize that just meant that maybe he opened <laughs> the portal <laughs> in which he was sealed. Because <laughs> that's not like, oh, we had a small victory today. Yeah. <laughs> that's... <laughs> Because, again, great thing about the books and the show, when you take a step back to look at what's happening, these people are scrambling because they don't know what's happening, right? Why are they going to the eye of the world? Because Swan was like, I have been having dreams for the past couple of months, and I think the Dark One is weak. Like, why Why do you think that means anything, right? The Dark One has been invading these kids' dreams. Has he been invading your dream and putting stuff in there? I don't know. And then they just, like, haul off and shuffle up to the eye of the world, and then Rain just, like, 
yeets the dragon at the dark one's like, go, do something. I don't know what you need to do. Just do it. <laughs> just put him back away for 3,000 years. It's like, okay, how? What do I need to do? And then he shows up there and he goes, ah, magic. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't think you guys accomplished anything that you're, I, I'm pretty sure you guys are being played right now. Ah. <laughs> uh. It's such a silly name, the Dark One. Uh, but I do like the character. Thirty years ago, man, this is what fancy was. <laughs> but I do like the character. Yeah, it, it does feel like there's flesh to him. Ha 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 ha! Dark flesh compared compared to the giant Iron Siren, <laughs> who had no flesh. Yeah, and then there's of course the amazing ending where those people in the boat show up and they're like, "Well, that little girl." We do not like that girl, and we will kill that girl. I assume it's some Khaleesi. <laughs> Clearly, it's invaders. Like it's actually kind of hinted at, and it's a lot of these things that, again, as a book watcher, I can pick it up quicker. Okay, I can see when when you're laying the foundation, but I, I start to wonder: is anyone actually picking this up? Like any regular, like the casual person who's just you know on their phone half the time watching the show. It's like, are they picking up any of this foreshadowing? Because I feel like they're doing a lot of quite subtle things. Did you remember when the head blue person was like, ships have been disappearing off the western shore or something like that? Who? Exactly. <laughs> so when episode six, when Morin's in the... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. She's in the, in the bath and they're like, she's like, you know, a nice guy sank to Terran Ferry. Obviously that was Moraine. And she's like, ships have been disappearing off the west coast. And then when they swap, it's like the far western shore. So probably it's these people who've been making the ships disappear. Khaleesi. Khaleesi has shown up with her, her Dothraki on their ships. They got on the ships finally. And she has dragons. And she has dragons. The dragons are giant waves of water. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Ooh. What do you think about the pregnant woman fighting? <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> like, I was definitely taking it back and I was like this is not real life this is a TV show that I'm watching right now but that was amazing and they, they made it interesting she's like you know it's not like I'm just gonna slay five guys right it's like it was actually a, a good fight sequence and it's like <sighs> yep that is probably just the best sequence of the entire show it's like okay you, you did it it's like I'm gonna give birth now <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> like, there are so many questions. I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, not even, oh, wow, this woman is in labor and fighting. That's amazing on its own. But I want to know, like, how you got here. Because, like, you're part of a group like this IEO, right? So you guys invaded and you, you're pregnant? And they were just like, yeah, sure, you're pregnant. Come on, let's go. Let's go invade those people. Like, what? And you showed up to this battlefield pregnant and you were like, oh, darn, I'm in labor. I guess I better go run off there. They're like, what? what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> I assumed she was being attacked by somebody. It wasn't a choice. Yeah, I mean... That's what it looks like. Like, she... From my point of view, the Jedi... No. From my point of view... <laughs> that one stays there. <laughs> from my point of view... The Jedi are the evil ones. <laughs> I don't even know what I was saying. From my point of view, she... It always looked like there's a siege being... And she was, like, part of the, the people who were being attacked... I, I don't know. Don't tell me. Uh, no, I, I won't tell you. I just said, she's near the White Tower. They're at Dragon Mount. Yeah, I mean, what did they say in the show? <laughs> I'm trying they to remember. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> From my point of view. 
<laughs> there's a you don't have enough information yet and there's a oh you missed the, <laughs> the hints that they gave you <laughs> you've mentioned so many things that I've just flew over my head clearly there's a lot of Waldos in this TV show I need to watch it again uh, I mean, yeah but like also I'm going on a little personal mini rant I find it annoying that TV shows are being made that don't require my attention you know when I sit down to watch a show I'm watching a show. It's a thing I'm doing right now. I'm not on my phone. I'm not having a conversation with you on my phone. So I do not necessarily like it when people are constantly talking to me when I'm watching something. And so basically when a show drops some hint or something, okay, I picked up the hint because I was paying attention. But like, that's not how most people watch us, if we're being honest here. So when they do stuff like that, and there's a lot of that kind of stuff, at least that I'm seeing, I start thinking, well, they're just going to bring it up again, right? When it's more important. Right? Or are they not? And it's going to be awkward? Or is that anyone going to care? Like, I, I started to wonder, like, about just how you do these kind of things and how you make sure that your audience is following what's happening, but you're not just, like, half-fisting. Because, I mean, there needs to yeah. be some buy-in from your audience, right? You have to pay some attention to what's yeah. going on. Well, I remember, like, talking to certain people and they're saying, like, you know, don't watch too many TV shows, don't watch too many movies, right? Read more books. For sure, I should be reading more books than I actually do. Yeah. No, it's true. I should be reading more than I do. But one thing I always, like, brought back to them is, like, actually, movies are a multimedia platform, right? Or multi-platform, right? It's it's not just words. There's actual pictures, and the pictures are changing. There's... No, that's what a video is. I yeah. get it sounds stupid, but, like, that actually means something. Yeah. And then, like... There's a screenplay, there's the way the story is told, what are people are saying, there's the foreshadowing, there's the music, there's the tones, there's all these things that come together. If you actually watch a movie the way you, like you, Raf, watch it, it's an art form to be admired, and it's not a couch potato. Hence, we are... Couch theater. Because we're high and mighty. Um, yeah, obviously... Watching television is more passive than reading a book because when you're reading a book, you actively have to be reading, obviously. But watching TV is not doesn't have to be as passive an activity yeah. as people make it out to be because yeah. you can definitely be engaging with the material. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? We can wrap this up because I could talk about the Wheel of Time forever. So let's stop. Do you have any predictions though for what might happen in season two? I'm hoping Matt goes evil. Okay. What are you hoping? What are you expecting it to? Well, it's too early to tell, right? Because, okay. I, yeah, they clearly show that the tension between the good and evil between him. I'm going to need a little bit more info than I picked up a knife and that's my tension right now. We'll see. Uh, I suspect these people from the other land will have new information about stuff and that changes the game a bit. Okay. The Game of Thrones. Oh. Crossover? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, I expect Perrin to turn into a werewolf. Okay. Yeah, we didn't talk about his wolf stuff, actually. But yeah, you expect him to turn into a werewolf. So there yeah. we go. I expect a lot more expo- exploration of the world. Okay. I feel like that's not really a prediction. <laughs> I'm saying, but like, they really just went from a small town to the White Tower and we picked up the way of the leaf, sure. But I think there's a lot more of the world to explore, which I feel like Rand is going to kind of do a little bit because he's he on did his own. He did say he was going to go wander, not yeah. where to, who knows. Yeah. 
I don't know how else you could do it, though. I did feel like the world was small. I mean, obviously, they're traveling great distances and stuff like that, but, like, yeah. when they're in places everywhere, it feels small, and I don't know how else they could do it. Like, they have all these... They have a lot of spanning shots that make the place look big, but at the same time, I still feel like everything is small. I would like to see the world feel a little bit bigger and then go to different places. What is the thing you hated most about this show? Ninavar, Nar, Narnavar. Aardvark. And Rand's initial haircut. <laughs> that will continue to make me laugh. What is the thing you like the most about this show? <laughs> Rand. <laughs> and Mom. 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 Momo. Qui Gon Qui Gon And I like the politics. Okay. Actually, I don't know what I hated the most. Oh, the things that annoy me the most are things that I see currently could change as inconsistencies or visual unclarity. That that annoys me because yes, I have a source material. Like when when you're being inconsistent, I'm like, you have a source material that's pretty well known for being pretty tight like it's not perfect obviously nothing is but like it's pretty tight like there's very little you cannot explain in the world of time so when you start doing things that are inconsistent within your own show like you can change the rules but like be consistent <clears throat> and sometimes it feels like they're being inconsistent time will tell and that that grates on me and the visual clarity stuff so there's two things there's when Nynaeve dies and gets brought back she doesn't die obviously she's not dead I know this but do you know this do you feel like she was brought back from death, or do you feel like she was about to die and got healed? I felt like she came back from the life, death. Exactly. And that is a problem for me, because I, when I see, because I understand in my head that the one power cannot undo death. That is the thing I know. So when I see that, you're immediately like, well, she's probably not dead. And if you, like, turn up your brightness and don't watch this on, like, a laptop, but, like, watch this on, like, a big monitor and stuff, you can see that there's, it's kind of subtle, like... The way everyone else looks like pretty burnt out. She looks like she's pretty toasty, but she's not quite there yet. So like, she's not dead yet. I understand this. But visually, even while watching it, I was like, she looks pretty dead. Like yeah. she looks like everyone else pretty dead. So like that is not a visual, not clear thing that I wish they would clean up some of that stuff. Cause uh, I thought uh, the word I would have used is resurrect, resurrected. Yeah. So that's, that's wrong though. Yeah. She just get she's just about to die and gets healed. Okay. Um, and like things like, did you know that? Women cannot see when men are using the power. They can't see the man's power? They can't see it. They say it once in one line. Yeah. They're like, the women, I always know I can't see their, their wheels, but it feels different. But every time there's magic, you see the magic, right? And it's just like a weird inconsistency thing. Because then when Ran uses the magic the first time with the door, they don't show it. So I'm like, okay, why didn't we see it then? Because every other, there's only two times in the show that magic is used and we don't see the magic. It's when first scene where Leandrin does the rock things. She's like, yeah, stop. And the rocks crum- come crumbling down. It looks, it looks pretty sort of scenario. It actually looks pretty bad. Um, just the effects overall there. I assume that was one of the things that was added like the last minute. That creates an inconsistency. Yeah, and like, and then Rand, when he busts down the door, we don't see the first time, but then when he goes back into the flashback, we're like, oh, he was channeling. But I'm like, okay, so then do I just not trust that you're not, you're showing me information? Because it's one thing to say, well, you know, if you're sort of looking to quote unquote, this person's eyes, this person's perspective, you can like sometimes see the magic and sometimes you can't, right? But it's another thing, I can always see it, but sometimes they just, you just decide not to show me something like, was there magic? Was there there magic? Stuff like that. It bugs me a little bit. But didn't Moraine thought that Egwene 
channeled in the ways? I think she did. But that means she saw it then. She did see Egwene channel, yes. I mean, so... But they, it was Rand who channeled. They both channeled. They both channeled. I. That's how I interpreted that saying oh. they both channeled. Like, she panic channeled and he panic channeled more. <laughs> I see. Okay. But also, I don't think Moraine was, like, looking at them, right? They Fair all just enough. woke up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's little things like that. They bug me. And, like, maybe season two and three will come out and it'll all make perfect sense what they're trying to do. And I'll be like, oh, my worries were unfounded. But currently, they, like, they're grating on my nerves kind of thing. Anyway. I'm glad you enjoyed it overall. I am On glad. your second time running. <laughs> <laughs> I have never been so invested in wanting to like a thing so much. Like, I was... I want to like wanted to like this thing. They would have needed to do some really terrible things for me to hate this show. <laughs> yeah, but that's been done before. So I, I was I'm really glad that you actually enjoyed this. <laughs> anyway, what do we do at the end of these episodes? Uh, Thank sponsor. you for listening. We appreciate your listenership. Please be sure to do all the things. The Spotify, the tunes, like, reviews, comments, yada, 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 whatever. If you feel like just sending us money, you can do that. We have an email. You can just e-transfer us money. Just do it. Like, you can. That's a thing you can do. You can just give us money. So, that would be pretty cool. If you want coupons, Mm -hmm. go to our sponsor today, www.fishing.com. Uh, they have great deals. All you have to do is put in your, you know, details, like your credit card and stuff. They need that. Yeah, this this and, is uh, the Dark Friends Association phishing account. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, www.fishing.com. That's yeah. a P-H, okay? Okay. <laughs>